Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. Today we have more midterm election results to celebrate as we wait to find out who will narrowly control the House, as well as the outcome of the Georgia Senate runoff. Joining us to discuss the good and the bad as we relish in the delicious schadenfreude of it all is the co-founder of the Democratic Coalition and the host of the Dworkin Report podcast. It's Scott Dworkin. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is How how We win. Win. Hey, welcome back, Jennifer. It's great to see you. I missed you last week as you were flying in from the great state of Texas, knocking on doors and doing the the Lord's work there. Uh, How are you doing? Thank you, Steve. I'm doing really well. It was a good week. It was a good week for Way to Win, a good week for democracy. For now, I'm feeling good. And I missed you too. Thanks for holding it down. Aw, yeah. Well, um, while you were gone, we clinched the Senate. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty amazing. (laughs) Pretty, pretty amazing. You know, what I had thought and hoped uh, would, would happen is that we would hold the Senate and maybe pick up another seat. And of course, we have a crucial, crucial runoff in Georgia, which um, because of all the, I'll just say outright fuckery from uh, Georgia uh, is a very tight window in which to organize for a runoff election, half the Mm -hmm. time that we had for the previous one, um, without the registration window for people to newly register as well. So um, really important that everyone jumps right into that. I just jumped right to our to-do list. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but what are your feelings about, about the Senate? There's some real important reasons why it's crucial that we held the Senate and also get that extra seat. Yeah, absolutely. It was amazing to see Fetterman win. I think that was probably one of my favorite victories because there was so much focus on his health after the stroke and what would happen. And I think I love that he was able to show his vulnerability and in doing that, you know, continued to hold the majority of voters who came out and voted for him. He got a lot of support, not only from Democrats, but from independents, from even from some Republicans. So I think the Fetterman campaign is one we should really look to, to learn lessons on how we can win other places that look like Pennsylvania. I was also just so happy because we won all the major state, most of the major statewide races where we were really trying to hold the Democratic trifecta in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Nevada, we lost the governor, but won the other things. And in Arizona, of course, to flip that governor seat. So, but focusing on the the Senate, uh, I think it's, it is incredible that we were able to hold the 50-50 majority before going into the Senate runoff, because having done that in 2021, 
it's just very stressful. Obviously, if we were waiting to know if we were going to hold Senate control until we got through the Georgia runoff, it would just be that much more intense and hard for the folks in the state that doing the organizing work. So to me, this is going to, I feel confident going into Georgia about mm. that race and how it's already shaping up. And I think it feels like a little icing on the cake or extra gravy to get that seat. Because in this tight of a governing majority, one more seat could make a huge difference in how we're able to leverage um, to govern, at least on the Senate side, and then going into 2024 that much stronger. Absolutely. It really does. Uh, we have a very tough Senate uh, map coming into 2024. So any extra yeah. seat we can get will help us hold on to the majority there. Uh, having that extra seat will mean we don't have to enter into a power sharing agreement with uh, whoever the minority leader is on the Republican mm -hmm. side. Um, so true. And uh, uh, some interesting, uh, in, you know, party infighting right now, which yeah. uh, hence, hence the, the schadenfreude uh, part of the intro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got my popcorn all ready to go. So <laughs> yeah, I also just want to say it's like Georgia is a must win, you know, even though it does not um, matter in terms of us holding the majority, Georgia is a must win just for the simple fact that Warnock won the special election. He only got two years. If we win the special election, we'll have Warnock for six years going into the presidential campaign, et cetera. And that is just feels huge. I mean, can you imagine having Herschel Walker representing Georgia for that many years? It's just not even a thing you can fathom, right? It is totally unfathomable that that many people voted for Herschel Walker. Uh, yeah. He is so woefully ill-prepared, I don't know, to do just about any job, least of all be a senator. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to be mean, but the other side of that is um, Reverend Warnock is an incredible human being, uh, it, not just like your average run-of-the-mill senator, but a, a true star in our uh, party, uh, a, a tremendously effective legislator and uh, and speaker, just an inspiring person. Uh, <laughs> it couldn't. I mean, it's like I don't know how you can put the two of them up against each other. They they, it's polar opposites, and I'm not even talking about opposites parties, but just you know, basic humanity. But anyway, that that's exactly. what's at stake, as you said. Um, mm -hmm. And then let's talk about, uh, you know, one thing that uh, I'm kind of teasing out my what gives me hope. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, we have been very bad at, at holding on to state houses and really paying attention to those races over the last few decades as Democrats. And now we have uh, crucial yeah. races, secretary of state races, state house races, as you just mentioned, uh, where elect election objectors were running. Trump MAGA election objectors, and they all lost in these crucial states. A huge yeah. win for our freedoms, for our democracy, for protecting uh, our vote coming in 2024. So, I mean, so you know, bearing in mind all of that, like, what's what's your take on where we are as a country? Like, we are uh, undoubtedly better off for having pushed back this attack by the fascists, by the election deniers. Uh, how are yes. you looking at those races? 
Yes. To me, it's that we achieved our goal in voters seeing this election as a choice between freedoms and fascism. That was the stakes we tried to set. Many of us who worked on this election and who came together around message frames that really tried to make democracy salient, not by just talking about democracy over and over again, but by telling a story about freedom, about what it meant to think about the connection between the rights or freedoms to decide whether we have kids to the freedom to vote and have the will of the people prevail. The connection between those two things, I think, made a difference. Um, it was, we would say, think democracy was on the ballot, but at the end of the day, uh, we weren't sure if the idea of a democracy was going to be salient for voters. And I think mm -hmm. what we saw in the end is that it was. When you look at the matchups between these different people, any, almost almost all, if not entirely all, of, of Trump's endorsed America First candidates lost. So that really is the idea that democracy is on the ballot and that voters came together and said, across our differences, we want a better future and we're not willing to vote for someone who, you know, for example, doesn't believe in, in the legitimate election results. Yeah. Interesting time for the former guy to be making an announcement, right? When uh, we have seen a nationwide clear repudiation of uh, Trumpism, uh, he, this is the time that – and as we were, are recording, we haven't heard Trump's, you know, stupid speech from Mar-a-Lago yet. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say for sure it's going to be really stupid and nonsensical. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, it'll be covered on network TV just verbatim, but, you know, wall to wall. That's – I think that's what – we can expect. And that's what feels a little bit scary because it's not just about Trump, right? It's about Trumpism. It's about the Trumpist Republicans who are continuing to lift up this criminal conspiracy of January 6th and lift up the idea of overthrowing, overthrowing the will of the people mm -hmm. in our elections. Um, this idea that Trump can come and go. I think we just need to keep remembering as long as we center Trump, you know, we're going to continue to feed his ego and that story. But if we center Trumpist Republicans and politicians and leaders, then we're showing, we're again painting that contrast and showing that we have a anti MAGA, anti Trumpist majority in this country. And I think that is what can carry us forward into 2024. Yeah. And we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to do that within our, our communities and our own social channels um, because, like you said, the mainstream media just can't help themselves. They, they, yeah. will, they will amplify. This is somebody, you know, a wannabe autocrat who is under investigation for multiple crimes should not be given uh, this kind of platform, but, uh, but they won't be able to help themselves. So, um, yeah. That's so why we have to keep our eye on, keep our eye on the ball to yeah. continue to educate that coalition of voters, right? Exactly. So, um, speaking of election deniers losing, let's talk about uh, our hero of the week. 
Okay, so this week I chose Katie Hobbs, who was just elected, of course, as the governor of Arizona. It's a huge deal in the state of Arizona, which has not had a Democratic governor and two Democratic senators in over 72 years. It's a very long time. Amazing. (laughs) Um, And the organizers there have been trying to flip that statewide seat for many years and not not succeeding. So it's an incredible victory. And I wanted to call out Katie Hobbs because it was a very tough campaign, very tough. She had to face a lot of different kinds of attacks. She was running against a TV star. And I think her decision to not debate Lake was truly a stroke of genius. In in hindsight, I don't, I'm don't. i probably one of the people who said she should have debated when we were talking about it. But <laughs> right. honestly, I think that was a really smart move because she stood her ground that whatever was going to come out of Carrie Lake was going to be disinformation or misinformation, that it's not okay to enable and give these election overthrowers a a platform and even more than they already have. And so- And you can't debate somebody that you know is is willing to lie on stage, right? I mean, how do you debate that? Exactly. And that is almost like people who debated Trump in the past shouldn't have debated him. Right. So I do like that she held that ground. And I think that's something to learn from as we continue to fight these lying election overthrowing candidates. So good job, Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs, our hero (laughs) of the week. Also, uh, Twitter, which we'll have to have a conversation about Twitter at some point too, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, mm. for now, for now, the Twitter. ratio that uh, that Carrie Lake got on her Arizonans no BS when they see it tweet uh, was also very satisfying. <laughs> so Twitter, you're kind yes. of my hero of the week as well. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, let's talk about this week's to do list. We've already mentioned it many times, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Uh, We know how high the stakes are. Um, If you haven't had a chance to connect uh, with some opportunities to help out the Warnock campaign, we will have a link in our show notes. There's already phone banking going on um, and a lot of work to do there. And there's some great places to donate too, right? Yes, I wanted to shout out the Georgia Progress Alliance, which is a coalition in state that all the groups really sit at, uh, the groups who are in Georgia doing GOTV, um, voter outreach, digital outreach, et cetera. They're all really coalescing around this fund, the Georgia Partners Fund. And so you can give there, 501c3, 501c4. We'll put the link in our show notes. It's a way to support all the local groups that are doing work in Georgia in addition to supporting the campaign itself. Thank you for that. Uh, I I love those kind of fund uh, of funds and uh, and mm-hmm. places to donate because uh, you're truly supporting the people who have been on the ground doing this work for years, building the the infrastructure there in the coalition. So, um, yes. thank you for that. Uh, and then the other thing, uh, which is really important right now, uh, is uh, ballot curing opportunities. And I think we only have a day left for Colorado, but uh, California, you can still cure ballots up until the 28th. So uh, we're going to have a link in our show notes page where you can help 
cure ballots. If you don't know what that is, that's basically um, sometimes people send in their ballot and they haven't signed them or dated them properly or their signature doesn't match because people's signatures change over time and uh, and they need to make sure that that vote is counted. So you're contacting those voters who uh, in California have already received a letter saying that there was an issue with their ballot and uh, and to please contact them so they can remedy it. Um, but, you know, of course, a lot of people just see that and think it's something some official election mail don't really look at it. So, um, you know, there are thousands of ballots that need to be cured. And uh, mm. if if you were around, as I, sh- I know you were in 2018, watching the results of the midterms in California, it was yeah. three weeks of uh, of thinking that we had lost some of these districts and then watching them, you know, slowly but surely um, gain ground, the Democrats gain ground. I, I'm thinking of like right. T.J. Cox, who won by a few hundred votes right there, like 30 days later. And I think so. I think they'd already called his election for uh, his opponent and uh, and then had to amend that. So anyway, we yes. still have hope, but with that hope comes some really important work for us all to do and help out with. I love that. Speaking of hope, what is your reason for hope today, Jen? Well, sticking on my Arizona theme, I'm just very excited about Arizona. <laughs> I feel very hopeful about a couple of several organizers that I know who live in Arizona, and I'll just call out a couple of them, Alejandro Gomez of Lucha and Gracia Lima of Community Change Action. They really took on this idea of bringing joy to the polls, bringing community together around the idea of early voting when we were facing, when they were facing in their state, of course, these armed mass gunmen who were uh, showing up at ballot boxes. So rather than, you know, rather than, you know, being scared and and shirking away, some of these organizers came together and through parties, they had music, they had food, they brought love and joy and community to the prospect and um, to the act of voting, which made a huge difference. And I just want to celebrate them and give them a lot of love. And and they give me hope because the future is in some of these places like Arizona that have been so controlled by Republicans and where now they're getting the chance to make their own futures. And so um, I hopefully I'm hoping we'll be able to hear a lot more about the work they did and, you know, different pieces that will come out after the election. But for now, they are my reason for hope. I love that so much. I know I say that all the time. I love that. It reminds me of this contestant on The Bachelor who used to get under my skin that would always be like, I love that. I love that so much. Um, (laughs) But that notwithstanding, you know, having armed militia vigilantes like in combat gear threatening voters and meeting that with like a dance party is mm-hmm. so awesome. It's such genius. And mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, we got to tell their story some more and um, and make a movie about that. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, How about you? What's your reason for hope? Yeah, my reason for hope is um, is America. I the <laughs> America. Amer- Americans. Uh, Americans are giving me hope today because they stood up for our freedoms. 
they stood up for democracy and and they rejected the fascists and look we are still on a knife's edge i don't want anyone to to feel like okay great we we did it we pushed back against the maga republicans and and uh, we're good um mm -hmm. you know we, we're far from that but uh but this was a huge battle that was a clear repudiation of uh, as we talked about earlier, the election deniers um, and and the fascists, and we chose freedom over fascism. Americans did overwhelmingly, and uh, and that gives me tremendous hope for the future. It really does. Me too. Agree. Love that. Love that so much. I love that. <laughs> uh, the Bachelor. Cool. Maybe we can go back to watching. Uh, sure. Maybe I'll watch some Bachelor in Paradise tonight as a little palate cleanser from the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I might have to watch something after the Trump announcement. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's the worst. Um, well, let's hope he takes the whole Republican Party down with him. That's that's my that's my goal. He very well might. I mean, uh, I think Lindsey Graham knew what he was talking about when he uh, said if we elect Trump, he will destroy the Republican Party and we will deserve it. Something like that. I'm yeah, paraphrasing. Something like that. <laughs> I, I love quoting Lindsey Graham. Uh, okay. Anyway, okay. Um, before we watch Bachelor in Paradise or the Trump announcement or whatever, <laughs> uh, I want everyone to hear this great interview with our good friend Scott Dworkin. Scott Dworkin is the co-founder and executive director of the Democratic Coalition and the host of the Dworkin Report podcast. Scott, welcome back to How We Win. Thanks for having me, Steve. How are you? I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. You know, um, the results from the midterm are starting to become clearer. We, of course, still don't know who controls the House of Representatives, but we do know a lot of other stuff. The more important question, how are you feeling? Uh, you know... I, I see a 218, 217 house, not in the way that we want it. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's going to be quite interesting what it comes down to. There's two California races that there's potential where Trump won, I think, won by two points, uh, maybe 27 and 41. Um, and then there's the Bo Burt race, but I don't think that that's going to tip either. So... We may be looking at a one-seat advantage for Republicans, which is okay because it's not thirty. It's not uh, you know us and our friends getting subpoenaed for you know what exactly did you like some kind of crazy investigations where Marge is one of the leaders. Ugh. Like it's not that um, they're going to have to be exactly. accountable for things. It's going to be different leadership. So um, I'm hopeful because we have no other this is what it is and we made it here with the senate and hopefully warnock wins and we expand it to 51 and we still have the white house and then we've got 2024 to work on so um you know i i given everything that's going on and what was put against us um, i'm you know as happy as one can be uh, given the circumstances <laughs> that is the really um political answer that I gave you there. But uh, I, overall, know, I'm, doing, lot, I'm doing well. There's a lot to be happy about. I mean, there really legitimately is. I feel like uh, last week on the show, uh, 
I was a little low key, but um, <laughs> you know, we we really uh, have some wins that we should be celebrating. Uh, there's some key wins, and and I get why you know, like 27 California 27. That's a, a a campaign I worked really hard on, and Christy Smith is a friend. And um, uh, sadly, I said over and over again, you know, we have our receipts as podcasters, and uh, and I kind of mapped this out the way that it went, but I also said that if we didn't win that seat, we wouldn't be able to uh, take the majority in the House. So um, that's one I really want to be wrong about. Uh, <laughs> but that aside, what are some of the key wins that you're really happy about? No, I mean, just making it to a runoff in Georgia is a big, uh, a big deal with a lot of things being split out. Um, you know, Fetterman's huge win, uh, a huge win. Uh, Shapiro, enormous. Um, one of the biggest ones is Hobbs in Arizona with Kelly as well, uh, Cortez Masto. I mean, we're talking about people who could have started their election-denying careers um, even more so. I'm sure they'll be back. I'm sure they'll circle around and I'm sure they'll build political power and act like they never were election deniers and, and whatnot. <laughs> we know that that probably will happen. Um, but, you know, we have a lot, lot to look forward to. I, I was born in Ohio. I am incredibly disappointed in Ohio in many mm. ways. Um, Wisconsin, what are you doing? Um, at least we got <laughs> Tony from that, you know, uh, North Carolina, uh, spent some time there, um, really confusing as to what they're looking for there. But uh, uh, Florida, the new Texas, I guess, and Texas is Texas, you know. Is, there's a lot of things where we couldn't have miracles, uh, I guess, uh, but at the same time, like we really were against it. And, um, you know, Dem leadership, as as you know, Steve, you've been uh, in the mix in the war rooms and things like that with us. It's It's not... Like we're more organized than we ever have been. I wish it w was like this, you know, when we started seven years ago. I wish it was like this when I started in politics twenty years ago. It's just, you know, this is where we're at. We finally, as a party, are starting to grip the reality that the internet is something that we can't ignore, and we need to use that to get people out in person and get them out to vote. Um, you know, I'm I'm really hopeful for the future. Um, disappointed in, in Georgia for Stacey Abrams, but she'll be back. Uh, but there's a lot. There's a lot to look forward to here, and there's also a lot to look at as to like why did Tim Ryan lose in Ohio? Like we have to look at that seriously and be like, okay, what did he do wrong, or what is the messaging wrong? Um, because he seemed like the perfect candidate. I mean, I grew up in Ohio. I know um, a lot of the folks in labor unions that are left there. A lot, a lot of the folks that live there, family members, friends, and it just seemed like they were supportive, but it seemed like when, when they voted or did not vote, they didn't vote for him. And it's just, you know, it, instead they voted for the celebrity, and it's that's disappointing. But, um, you know, I, I think there's just a lot of bright spots, uh, but there's some places that we need to really focus on, uh, and I think we need to reevaluate how we're presenting ourselves to the voters. Jen, you were you were just in uh, Texas, uh, yeah. and uh, Scott kind of called you out because you were there working. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say something about that. Well, 
We saw a really big win in Harris County, Texas, by Lena Hidalgo, who is the, of course, the judge there, which is like being the governor of a state as large as Iowa. Um, there's so many people who live in Harris County. So she got outspent five to one, but did an amazing job actually pushing back against some very hateful, really laced with racism or overt racism around crime attacks. And she came through and won. And I do think that Beto's campaign, having had 100,000 volunteers and a lot of energy, helped get her over the edge in Harris County. And so also, Beto ran for governor and has we've never seen a Democrat for governor get as much support as Beto did in that election. So that is also a sign of progress. So we're not giving hope up hope on Texas yet because we did see, right, the those kind of gains and it still remains one of the biggest possible pickups. When you look at the direction Texas went versus Florida, for example, you can really see the potential to build in in Texas. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. That not wasn't trash in Texas. Just to be clear, you hate you hate people from Texas. I get it. That's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. I visited. uh, (laughs) I was out there. It was like 105. Drove from Oklahoma down to Texas. I was visiting some odd places. People would say for a Democrat, Utah, Montana, uh, which Mm -hmm. is not that uh, odd, I guess. But Oklahoma drive down to uh, uh, Texas, and it it was I don't know. It's like the Wheels were melting on the highway. Uh, A lot of red dirt. Yeah, it was right before Beto came up there up north and uh, had a great showing. It was odd to see people uh, openly excited about a Democratic candidate. It had been a while um, since maybe Wendy or... Um, where people had really out, you know, outreaching, uh, they, they were reaching out to me saying like, Hey, I like, this is a person that we need to support. This is somebody that we need, we can get behind. Um, and seeing it in person was crazy. Cause it was like, well, this is really giving me some hope on the rest yeah. of the country. Be- but then some of the other places where you think that there should be that enthusiasm, that democratic hope, yeah. and it, it didn't exist. So I, I am very hopeful about Texas. And you're right, we're not going to give up on Texas. Um, I, I think yeah. that, you know, we, we need to focus more on it than Florida at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And then I would just add to your point on Ohio, I think one of the things I've been looking at with the exit polls is we are still losing on this issue of the economy. When you ask people they care about the issues, if they care about the economy the most, we're, we're constantly losing that to Republicans by pretty big margins. But we were winning if people cared about abortion, if people cared about democracy by like 50 or 70 points in some states. So that is partially how we saw this shake out, right, with some of the wins and some of the losses. Tim Ryan didn't really run on abortion and um, democracy. You know, he tried to run right on the economy. And that's just going to take more time for us to actually develop those messages and to get out from under the sort of 40, 50 year hole that we we are in on the economy in terms of people's perceptions of how Democrats perform versus Republicans. Yeah, it's harder for us to get... We're not good with catchphrases, and uh, I guess we're getting better. But, you know, when people say, but inflation, I had an interesting conversation in um, Kentucky, another place I'd visited, and people, (laughs) it was an interesting attack. It was brilliant uh, in regards to how they framed it. They said, 
you know, I really, really don't like Joe Biden. And I'm like, well, why? You know, tell me, tell me what your thoughts are. Well, all this construction, all this construction on our highways, all our construction on bridges, all this, <laughs> all this construction, oh the God. traffic is terrible. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to overcome the fact that he delivered jobs and he's rebuilding things that are broken. Mm-hmm. And wow. like that, that's the kind of messaging where it's like, that is difficult because everybody else is nodding their head. It's a kid's soccer game. And they're just like, yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. That's what's wrong with everything. And I'm like, I didn't know how <laughs> I, that was, I was stumped and I was just like, okay, I have nothing to, I, like, I just don't know what I have to go look into that and figure out no. how to overcome that objection. Cause that was mind boggling. Yeah, it's just so funny that you say that because through our project that we've been doing, we actually did a whole series of ads about infrastructure and road work and as like a metaphor for progress. So <laughs> I feel like your person should have seen those ads. Damn <laughs> but the traffic. Anyway. He, he was well, you called out you called out some places. I do have to say, I was um I found myself on the uh Friday and Saturday before election day in Oklahoma City. Uh, for a family, a family thing. My family's all from Oklahoma. We were actually mm. entering my father, who passed away a few months ago, into the family plot there. Um, mm. And uh, a guy came up to me who I guess had met me when I was a little kid. Uh, and I'm going to give him a shout out right now. His name was also Scott, and uh, and said, "I've been really looking forward to seeing you. I listen to your podcast every week." And uh, I'm a I'm a sous chef, and I listen to it while I'm working. And you know, it's really uh, it can be really tough to have progressive leanings here in Oklahoma. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I know. But it was the last thing I expected to hear from anybody during that time. I'm sorry, and hear about you know, your loss. I'm sorry about that. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, my dad was awesome. He he was counsel to President Johnson, and and. Uh, was proud of his Oklahoma heritage. Anyway, I digress. Um, I want to give you a chance, Scott, to uh, spike the ball a little bit and talk about Democratic Coalition and uh, what you did to support candidates and fight back against MAGA Republicans. Can you talk about the work that you've been doing? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we've we really been working hard and trying to translate the online portion of things into in-person action uh, getting people to make phone calls and volunteer in person again. But at the same time, we're back to making opposition research. So we've got a big research book that we're working on on Herschel Walker, where there's a lot of instances where he talks about his abuse um, that he gave upon others, um, mm-hmm. ex-girlfriends, ex-wives. And uh, we're going to be releasing different uh, ad series around that. Um, we, we've tilted from the positive uh, angle that we gave this election cycle where everything was positive, uh, that we ran, everything was pushing the narrative about, you know, we're going to support you, we're going to do more, we've done this, and we're going to accomplish more together. This is, I trust Warnock's campaign to be on the positive end of things for this. Um, This is one (laughs) that we're, you know, we've been in the negative and, and done that before, obviously with Trump. I mean, we ran 70 ads in 2020 alone. It, it It is something that we're used to, but this is something where I like doing ads where it comes out from their own mouth. 
if we're going to do a negative ad, let them say their own words. Like we don't even have to paint the picture. Let them say it for themselves. So like the first ad that we have is a video of Herschel Walker saying that he, uh, his ex-wife feared that he may kill her. And I think that is just, it's, it's, it's a damning, but we need to present it in the right way. There needs to be a press release. We need to, you know, talk to reporters about it and present it in, in that way and not just release it on Twitter, as I already did. Um, but we we, <laughs> we want to make sure that we present it. Well, in, sometimes you're just excited, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it was the election was coming up and I was like, I don't want to hold this. I don't see anybody sending it out. So um, but so we're going to we're going to focus on that. But we're also going to focus on amplifying everything that uh, the senator needs on his campaign that we can do. So it's it's really, you know, right right now we're focused on that. With the election, as you saw as being part of one of our war rooms, uh, we we were leading an effort to uh, a massive one where we got, I, I think it was, it was over 4.5 billion impressions on just based off of the hashtags that we had uh, pushed together. And the funny story, the Sunday before election, I was meeting with some senior people from the party and elsewhere, and we're talking about messaging. And I was like, all right, so we're going to do vote blue because I think everybody understands it doesn't have to be vote Dem or Democrat because they understand blue is Democrat. Okay, great. Um, We'll do vote (laughs) blue Tuesday. And that was what was decided. And usually there's not much planning that goes into these things, but this is, you know, the day before election day. So I wake up at 5 a.m. I start calling folks and texting and getting people up and saying, all right, like we, here's the different links we need to get out. Here's the different, you know, the, the messaging around it um, that we should present and people do their own stuff. But I, I want to guide them at least with make sure that we talk about at least this subject or that subject. And so uh, I then start the trend by tweeting out the wrong hashtag where it's vote blue tomorrow. And uh, <laughs> it turned out, turned out to be better than what we had, uh, which was vote blue Tuesday. And uh then we did vote blue today. So hashtags are, are something, you know, it, think of it as an advertising campaign, um, you know, where you're getting tens of thousands of people together to push different links and messaging so that people are on the same page as to how to present things. And also people are on the same page with rah, rah, like I can do something on the internet, but let's also do this. Let's volunteer. Let's make phone calls. Let's knock doors. Let's do whatever we can, write postcards um, to make a difference. And and I think we really nailed that in the final days. When the final day is there, you can't really register people to vote um, at the same level. You can't do the same things that you can do weeks before Election Day. Um, so focusing on something like a hashtag that people may undercut, but pay, people also pay millions of dollars to do that sort of uh, advertising campaign um, you know, we all did on the lowest budget possible. Right. Uh, and so I'm very proud of our team and the hard work that everyone uh, exhibited. As always, they really delivered. Um, and, you know, it dominated the Internet uh, overall yeah. um, for days mm-hmm. at a time. And, and I'm proud of that that work. Everybody works really hard and gets underpaid for it. But uh, I'm, I'm proud to work with every one of them. It was 
it was really fascinating. I, mean, I was going to say insane. It was insane, but uh, to be, as you said, kind of part of of that war room and watching the power that you all have as, you know, you've got a million followers on Twitter and, you know, uh, the, the power to really take that narrative and, uh, and define the terms of the conversation through social media right now was uh, incredible to watch. And, uh, and I'm glad we did it in such an effective and coordinated way. I'm very proud of us in this interview because we've, we've run out of time and managed not to bring up uh, the former guy's big stupid announcement he's going to make later. Um, so <laughs> good for us. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Mainstream media will do it anyway, despite the fact that they didn't cover, you know, Biden's uh, "Our Democracy Is in Peril" presidential speech. They will all cover this. But anyway, uh, let's just <laughs> ask you, Scott. I did it. I couldn't help myself. Let I was me just say okay. this. I, I just was patting say myself on the back for not talking about it, and then I. <laughs> And then I did it. Uh, all right. Let me just ask you, Scott, the last question we ask every guest. What's giving you the most hope right now? You all. Like you and Jen, you. Um, you know, like I, when I woke up at, at 4 a.m. on election day after sleeping for two hours, sort of sleeping, whatever you call it, in and out at a computer screen. <laughs> and, you know, we're <laughs> – it's still like you're sitting there thinking of like, okay, how can – a foreign entity or someone else attack us on the internet. Uh, and somehow people are able to, there were two different attacks on election day. Um, and we overcame both of them. And they're uh, a form of cyber attack using hashtags where people um, will use bots to spout out a like hashtag so that it waters down a trend. And, they did it twice and we beat them. Excuse me. Sorry. We, we did it. We beat them twice. And I think just the energy and the positive nature of it and how we could all be on the same page and work together is really uh, damning for the Republican Party, but inspiring for democracy and everything else we're doing. And so everyone who worked with us that day, um, you know, and the, the millions of people who helped push it along and everybody who uh, really, you know, took the time to uh, put up with the fact I had thousands of retweets and tweets and <laughs> Facebook posts and all that thing. Uh, you know, it gives me, gives me hope that people are able to still push it at a level that's even beyond where we were at seven years ago. So, I mean, every, everything like that, uh, everything that y'all are doing, I mean, this is... This is what gives me hope. I'm able to push on. It fuels my gas tank so that I'm able to say, I quit. I'm not working on the, uh, another election cycle and then just get right back on the horse and right right back at it. You know, this is what does it for me. So I appreciate y'all and thank you for, for having me on today. I appreciate that. Appreciate you, Scott. No quitting. We are the persistence. We can't. We can't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. Scott. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. It's great to see you, and and truly, thank you for everything that you have done. I really appreciate it. Keep up the great work, y'all. Thank you all so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com. 
or tweet to us if Twitter still exists at How We Win Pod, at Blues Boy Steve, and at Jen and Kona. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods and share our show with your friends and family. There is always work to do, so we will be back with some more next Wednesday. MSW.